You are this country's first openly gay prime minister. How big a deal is this for you personally? Brexit process. U.S. investment bank Lehman Brothers collapsed. I said this was a once-in-a-generation a vote. financial crisis. But I believe we have voted today for the next generation. Don't be rude. Ireland has spoken with a clear, strong voice. I think I should stop now and start again, because I don't think you this is a good news. start of the debate. Welcome to the Dublin Law and Politics Review podcast, in which we discuss current political events. My name is Veselina McMahon, and with me today is Anneli Kamoi, a PhD candidate at DCU School of Law and Government, with whom we will be discussing the ECB response to the current COVID crisis and the recent judgment uh, from the German Constitutional Court. If you like this podcast, don't forget to subscribe or find us on social media via at DublinLPR or our website dublinlpr.ie. So good afternoon, Miss Moe, and I'm very happy to have you as a guest today here. I have several questions uh, which I, I believe will be uh, very, uh, very current. And to begin with, is Please, please tell us more about what is PEPP or the uh, or, or or the emergency purchase plan of uh, of the bank. Lovely, I'd be happy to tell you more about that. So the PEPP or the Pandemic Emergency Purchase Program is a program adopted by the European Central Bank or ECB for short to mitigate the impact of the of the COVID crisis. Um, so you can imagine the European Central Bank, its aim is to generate under but close to 2% inflation due to the different measures that have been implemented as a result of COVID, such as lockdowns, etc. Um, the ECB has found that there is a disruption in its transmission mechanisms. So for that reason, it's purchasing different assets under this pandemic emergency purchase program with a maximum of 750 billion till the end of the year to try and restore those transmission mechanisms. I see, that's a, that's a very actually uh, very large response across the board. And why- it is, And it's actually also quite yeah. interesting because the ECB was one to act very quickly. So you see that the ECB is actually, the bank is ready to act against such a, a crisis, whilst it takes a lot longer for countries, for example, to agree on a policy response. That's, that's true. So to the next question, why did the European Central Bank uh, in, instigate this program? Well, so like I was saying, there is a huge response to the COVID pandemic. Um, there is lockdowns, people are not allowed to go to work. And though certain sectors in the economy are doing very well, other sectors are not doing so well. And we will feel an economic shock. Up to 5% is expected if, or predicted if the lockdowns were to end roughly in June. If they continue until August, the economic recession could be as much, or an economic decrease could be as much as 12% or even more. So this is difficult for the European Central Bank because the ECB can no longer properly conduct monetary policy and therefore it tries and restore this, these transaction mechanisms by introducing such a plan. 
but also of course to mitigate the financial impact by keeping borrowing conditions easy for firms and for countries who are spending a lot of money right now on healthcare. I see. And is this program legal in your opinion? Well, that's a good question. In order to see whether something is legal or not, we have to look back at European crisis or the Euro crisis and the case law. And the court has made two very clear judgments. So the European court uh, generated the Gauweiler and the Weiss case, both very important judgments. The first concerned the outright monetary transaction programs, and the second concerned the asset purchasing plans, which are actually quite close towards the PEPP. So the first thing the court does is quite simply look at whether this is a program of monetary or economic policy. So under European law, the treaty very clearly states, so the European Union is based upon several treaties, which is a fancy word for agreements that we make with each other. In these agreements, we said, okay, the central bank, the European central bank gets to do monetary policy. There you go, that's yours. But economic policy is up to the member states. So the individual countries can determine what type of economic policy they wish to conduct. Now, monetary policy is for the ECB very simply focusing at reaching close to but under 2% inflation. So every policy that they conduct must first of all be focused at reaching that close to 2%. Under PSPP, the court said, well, restoring these transition mechanisms, so trans restoring the way the ECB can conduct monetary policy is a legitimate aim. So this could be or can be an aim for a ECB policy. Under PEPP, the first and primary policy is to restore these transition mechanisms again. So we would consider that monetary an aim, though there are also statements by several members of the ECB to say, well, it's also to mitigate the financial impact. Again, this falls back towards that monetary program and supporting the member states in economic policy. So the aim looks to be monetary and it, it's highly unlikely that the European court would find this program to be unlawful for that reason. Then the, the policy will of course have indirect effects upon economic policy. But that's not really a big issue. As long as these indirect effects do not contradict monetary policy, that's fine. The ECB can impact economic policy. So then what the court will do is look at proportionality. So no European Union institution is allowed to go beyond what is necessary. So every um, program, every policy adopted by a European institution, including the ECB, must be suitable and necessary. In this case, it looks like it's a suitable policy for what the ECB tries to do. It is a little different from what it did during APP, um, first of all, the financial crisis was different from the crisis we're faced with COVID, but it does look like the ECB knows what they're doing. It's not like they have made a clear or manifest error in judgment. And this is all the court will look for. Has the ECB not made a manifest or a very grave error? 
it does not look like it. So it, it's most likely a suitable policy. Then it would look at necessity. So has the ECB not gone beyond what is necessary? And this is where it gets a bit more difficult because as some have argued as well, because there's such a large volume and this program comes on top of the APP, it might be going very far. And especially in necessary, the ECB is not allowed to meet the specific financing needs of individual member states. So they must conduct a general policy rather than specifically giving aid to one member state. And others have argued already that 68% of Italian bonds must be purchased in order for these mechanisms to be restored towards Italy. If so many bonds are purchased, it might become very specific towards one member state. This might become an issue. But on the other hand, the ECB is given a lot of freedom. So they are allowed a lot by the court. They have a wide margin of discretion. So it looks like the court would find this program to be lawful and proportionate as well. Which only leaves two more questions, which is the court will then look at will the ECB not violate Article 123 and 125? Now, 123 says the ECB is not allowed to give direct credits towards any country. So the court will look at, okay, is the ECB not directly purchasing bonds from these governments? So is it not directly buying government loans? The ECB is not doing that in this program because the PEPP buys on the secondary market. So they buy from other people who've already bought these bonds from the government. Then the court will look at, okay, does it not indirectly violate? So is it maybe so many bonds are being bought that you know, people are de facto certain that their bonds will be bought? For example, if I am not allowed to buy, say, a beer, then that the supermarket cannot sell me a beer or say a beer to a minor. But the question that the court will ask, can they sell beer or alcohol to someone who is not a minor, but who will give it to a minor? And that's the same type of test the court will do under 123. Check, okay, the, East, the country, the ECB cannot buy from a government but are they de facto buying from a government through someone else? And because of the large volume of bonds that are being bought, this is a significant risk. Because if the ECB buys so many bonds that almost all bonds are bought, you are certain your bond will be bought by the bank. But again, it doesn't, the ECB has generated a lot of flexibility for itself, but it has also been somewhat cautious to avoid buying all bonds and to keep a blackout period to make sure that no one is certain their bonds will be bought. I see. So uh, what is the impact of the judgment made by the German Constitutional Court? That's a good question. So the German Constitutional Court in Karlsruhe recently judged not on the PEPP, 
but on the Weiss case. So the Weiss case was instigated in front of the German Constitutional Court. They sent preliminary questions to the ECJ, who then answered them, but then it's again up to the German judge to use these answers to come to a judgment. Now they have done so quite recently in the Karlsruhe judgment. And what is interesting about that case is that though officially it does not impact the EPP, they create a very different legal framework. So they also look at aim proportionality in articles 123 and 125, but they say that the court has actually gone off track and that the court was wrong to find PSPP legal. And they mainly argue that there is too little information provided by the ECB to consider such a program legal. And the PPP does not give the economic analysis and the economic balancing of pros and cons that the ECB, uh, that the German court is asking for. So it's likely that under their new mandate, they would not find the PEPP legal. I see. And what do you think the, the impact of the judgment will be on the future of the European Union? That's actually a very interesting question. No one can really predict what will be the impact, but it might give an impact. There are other countries, so it's very rare and it shouldn't happen that a court or a national court tells the European, Central, uh, European Court of Justice that the European Court is wrong, that it's wrongly interpreting EU law. It, it shouldn't do that. And with Germany, a, a very prominent member and one that is very active um, and respected in the European Union, for them to say, well, the European Court is wrong, though be it in a financial manner, might lead to other countries questioning the European Union as well, and the, especially the Court of Justice. There are issues with Hungary and Poland, um, and the judges and the rule of law, that this judgment might be a reason for them to say, well, if Germany says the CJEU, so the Court of Justice of the European Union is wrong, why can I not say it's wrong? So it might have an effect far beyond the actual financial spectrum. I see. Well, uh, thank you very much for, uh, for this very, uh, very extensive and exhausting, uh, exhaustive uh, um, answers. And it was extremely engage engaging. And thank you very much for, uh, for, for answering all these questions, really. And thank you, uh, dear listeners, for listening to the Dublin Law and Politics Review podcast on ECB response to the current COVID crisis and the recent judgment uh, from the German Constitutional Court. If, if you enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to subscribe or follow us on social media via at DublinLPR. Comments, questions and suggestions are very welcome via contact at DublinLPR.ie. This was Vasilina McMahon and I wish you a very pleasant day.